generation that God is an impressive, glorious God. Do you agree? He is. He is an impressive, glorious God. And when we have an encounter with Him, when you meet Him, you can't help but to fall before Him in worship. That, that's just, that is, for lack of a better term, the natural reaction to God that we should have. If you come in front of God, you will worship Him. I promise you. You can't help it. What do I mean you can't help it? Because you were created to do that. You were created to do that. Say so every single person in this room, I, you, do you want to know your purpose in life? Would you like to know what it is? It's not a hard question. I saw a t-shirt one time that says, I have left to go and find myself. If I get back before I do, please send me a message. <clears throat> That people like to go out and I'm going to go find my purpose. I'm going to go find what I'm here on this earth for. There's something that I just, I know that I'm made for something. You are. You are made to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. That is the purpose of your existence. You bear His image as you walk around, as you speak, as you live, as you love, as you eat, as you create, as you work. That you are little tiny images of God. We're going to read it in Genesis today in the first point of this sermon that God made us in His image. What does that mean? That means that you want to know why you get angry? It's because God gets angry. Do you want to know why you love? It's because God loves. Do you want to know why you have a sense of humor? It's because God has a sense of humor. Do you want to know why you're creative? It's because God's creator. Do you want to know why you work? It's because God works. Do you want to know why you... Why marriage looks the way it does and why uh, authority looks the way it does and why that morality that's in your heart, and by the way, that morality is in your heart, whether or not you want to admit that it is. Do you want to know why you believe? Not even that you just believe certain things are good and evil, but do you want to know why you believe that there is such a thing as good and evil? It's because you are made in God's image. Your purpose is to glorify Him. That's why you were made. But do we always do that? We don't. Even though we were created with the purpose of glorifying God, often we choose to do otherwise. We choose to worship someone other than God. We choose to worship something other than God. Maybe some object or some person or some feeling or some uh, position, some rank, some recognition that we order our lives around other things. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's you don't find your identity in God. Maybe it's you find your identity in I am this at my job or I, am, I have this degree or I am part of this group or I'm in this relationship. And rather than define ourselves by our relationship with the God that created us, we define ourselves by some other relationship. Rather than to define ourselves as image bearers of God who glorify Him, we define ourselves as those who glorify ourselves. We are idol factories. That every single one of our hearts was created to worship God, but in the absence of worshiping Him, you will worship someone or something else because you can't help it. I can't help it. That's just how we're built. 
And that's what we're going to see in Revelation chapter 13, verses 11 through 18 this morning. So if you'll stand with me out of respect for the reading of God's Word, we're going to read verses 11 through 18 this morning. Revelation chapter 13, verses 11 through 18 reads, Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. And he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. He performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it's the number of a man. His number is 666. Father, I pray that you would help us to have wisdom and understanding today as we study this passage. And Lord, help me to just strike at the core of this and talk about the state of the human heart and its fallenness and its wickedness. Help us to know you better at the end of this sermon. And Lord, help us to look more like you when we leave than we did when we got here. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. So I call today's sermon Idols and Tribes because that's what it's about. It's about our tendency to worship idols and to form tribes. Um, that we have done this for as long as humanity has existed, as we will see as we work through this passage. First, I want us to see in verses 11 and 12 that humans are made to worship. That there are certain things that uh, you can tell by how we're created. Um, why do I have a tummy? I have a tummy to fill it with delicious foods. That is why it is there. Um, you can identify um, the, the way that your body is built. You are built with ears in order to catch sound. You are built with eyes in order to see light. Uh, if you ever watched, any of y'all ever watched Discovery Channel or National Geographic? You see any of that stuff? I, I enjoy watching it. Have y'all ever seen some video of some of these crazy creatures that live in like the pitch black depths of the ocean? Seen these things? They're, it's like an alien world back down there, y'all. If you look at their eyes, they are either basically non-existent or they do not have mechanisms in them to draw in much light because there's not much down there. God built them for the environment and function that they were supposed to carry out. Well, God built us with eyes that take in light and transmit what that light means to our brain so that we can interpret it as what's happening. God intended us to live in a world filled with light. God created ears because He intends us to live in a world in which we interpret sound. God created us with stomachs because He intends us to eat food. Glory to God. God created us to be worshipers. He created us to be worshipers. You cannot help but to worship someone or something. Look at verse 11. 
Uh, John says, this is John's the, the guy writing this book under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He says, I saw another beast coming up out of the earth. Now, this is still symbolic language. If you've been following Revelation with us for a little bit, the last couple of chapters, John has been using symbolic language. That does not mean he isn't communicating real events. That just means that he is communicating those real events through symbolic language. And last week and the week before, we talked about a figure who rises from the shadows of the book of Revelation that is called Antichrist. He is an imitation of Jesus, and he is Satan's chosen man for carrying out Satan's last assault on humanity. Um, And Scripture referred to the Antichrist as the beast. He is going to be one of the most... Uh, terror-inducing leaders and most vicious and brutal men the world has ever seen in the history of the world. We talked about him last week. Uh, But this week we're talking about another beast that rises up out of the earth. Now, interesting. When God creates humanity in Genesis, my Bible scholar's at, what did God form Adam out of? The dust of the earth. Interesting that this guy rises out of the earth. And it says he has two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. So there has only been one other lamb mentioned in the book of Revelation. And that is Jesus. Jesus is the only other lamb mentioned in the book of Revelation. Now note, this other beast is not a lamb. It just says he has two horns like a lamb. Okay, well, Josh, you just said this is symbolic language, so isn't that the same thing? No. Well, because John doesn't say that the dragon was like a dragon. He says he was a dragon. This guy is not a lamb. He just imitates one. You ever heard somebody sound a lot like a convincing Christian, but when you listen to them closely enough, something is off? This guy's a religious leader. The false prophet is a religious leader. And he speaks like a dragon. Now the dragon is Satan. And when Satan speaks, what typically comes out of his mouth? Lies. He looks like a lamb. But he speaks like a dragon. He is a religious leader that is convincing. He's calm. He's loving. He's caring. But he's a liar. And he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence. Now the first beast would be the Antichrist. He has lined up with the Antichrist here. And he causes the earth and those who dwell in it. That's John's way of talking about the lost. That's a a technical term in the book of Revelation. The earth and those who dwell in it. To worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. Now, if you've been paying attention... The last several weeks, maybe you noticed this in hearing this. If you haven't, let me give you something scary. I've told you that Satan is imitating the Godhead in his plan in Revelation. Satan himself is an evil imitation of the Father. He intends to exalt himself above the throne of the Most High. He wants to overthrow God. So if you imagine Satan is a demonic imitation of the Father, the Antichrist would be a demonic imitation of the Son. He is Satan's chosen person to enact his plan in the last days of human history. 
that he gives all his power and authority to him, the Antichrist is effectively the heir to the kingdom of Satan. He is a demonic imitation of the Son. He is a demonic imitation of Jesus. The one to whom the Father in reality has entrusted judgment and Jesus is described as the heir of all creation. So if Jesus is the heir of the Father's kingdom, the Antichrist is the heir of Satan's kingdom. So if you're looking at the, the, the Trinity, you've got the Father, the Son, and then who's the third person? The Holy Spirit. That God is one God in three persons. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Satan has faked two. He's given a fake Father in Himself. He's given a fake son in the Antichrist. The false prophet is the fake spirit. He is a religious leader who causes the earth to worship the first beast. This is the same thing that the Holy Spirit does, hopefully, when you preach, except He points you to Jesus. You know, when I preach, I'm not trying to convince any of you to believe in Jesus Christ. I'm trying to tell you the truth, and I'm counting on the Holy Spirit to convince you to believe in Jesus Christ. Because Jesus told me that's what the Holy Spirit does. That the Holy Spirit is in the world convicting people of sin and righteousness and judgment to come. That when I preach the gospel, when I tell you that you are a sinner, but that God did not want you to die and bust hell wide open because of your sin. When I tell you that God loved you enough to send Jesus to die for you in your place for your sin so that you could be forgiven and be adopted into God's family, scot-free totally of God's grace and His goodness, I am not counting on the way that I communicate that to convince you, oh, I need to do what He says. I need to believe in Jesus. Do you know who convinces people of believing in the Gospel when I say that? The Holy Spirit does. If you're saved, you didn't get saved because a pastor convinced you of the truth. You got saved because the Holy Spirit convinced you of the truth. That's what the Holy Spirit does. That is how He functions in the world. Well, this false prophet is like a false spirit. That Satan has given all his power and authority to the beast, the Antichrist, and has turned him loose on the world and says, do my bidding. And then the false prophet comes along and convinces everyone to put their faith in the Antichrist. Satan has faked the Trinity. He's doing his best. Now, I was reading this and something jumped out at me. Which led me to to bring this point to humans are made to worship. In verse 12, when he says, He causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast. Does anybody have in your translation a different word than cause? You don't have to tell me what it is. Exercises. Exercises, what else? Compels. Anybody have make? Make. That's a, there's a good reason for this. In Greek, this word causes is the word poieto. It's fun. Just say it. It'll make you smile. Poieto. Um, since the time of Plato, this word has caused confusion even among Greeks because it contains two words. Make and do. This word means two things at one time. It means make and do. So you could read this as this, the, the beast makes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast. And I have had my head stuck in the book of Genesis the whole time I've been going through Revelation. So when I hear someone who makes someone, in, or makes someone to worship, 
Can you think of anybody in the book of Genesis who made someone to worship? God did. God made us to worship Him. But can Satan make anything like God can? No, all Satan can do is twist what God's already created because Satan's not a creator. He doesn't have the power to create anything. Only God does. So God creates us in Genesis in chapter 1 verse 26. God says, let us make... This is on your handout. I made sure to put it on there. Genesis 1.26 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image. In the Greek translation of the Old Testament, that word make is the Greek word poieo, the same word that John uses here. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God made man in His own image. In the image of God, He made him. Male and female, He made them. That God had a purpose for creating you. Colossians 1.16 says, For by Him, that is Jesus, all things were created or made that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created or made through Him and what? For Him. That you exist because Jesus made you And because He made you to worship Him. That is your purpose. You were created to glorify God. And if you believe the purpose of your life is anything else and you are feeling unfulfilled, that's why. It's because you missed the boat. Good news is you can get back on the boat today. It's making a stop right by you. You were created to glorify God. And Satan knows this. Satan knows that you are created with a need to worship a God. So Satan's play has never been... Which, by the way, if you look at statistics... Though they're growing, atheists make up a relatively small minority of the world population. The majority of the world believes in a God. Satan's strategy is not really to convince you that there is no God. Satan's strategy is to convince you to worship a different one. Because he knows you're made to worship. And by the way, anybody who is an atheist does not worship no God. They worship the God they see when they look in the mirror. Everybody worships a God. Satan doesn't care which one you worship as long as it's not the real one. So his plan here is to hijack that you are created to worship and point you towards something that looks like something you would want to worship. A powerful, influential... Now humans would never senselessly line ourselves up behind a powerful leader with nefarious purposes, would we? Only all throughout human history. I've used this the last couple of weeks, but why would Germany be willing to line up behind Hitler during World War II? 
It's because their economy was in shambles. Their country was destroyed. It was a wreck after World War I when no one helped rebuild it. No one helped put it back together. So along comes this young, charismatic leader named Adolf who says, follow me and we can, make, we can rebuild this. We can make Germany a, a, a great country again. We can build it up. We can fix the economy. We can take our place as a world power and the fatherland can be remade. Never mind the fact that I really think the problem is the Jews. We'll kill all of them. That's not a problem. Just follow me. We'll do it. And they were so desperate for a powerful person to take charge that they just followed him. And it happens over and over and over throughout history. And Satan pulls off his best trick in the history of the world right here and convinces people that you need to worship this guy. And that has happened over and over and over. And Scripture tells us it will. Romans 1, 21-23 says, Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. And changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. What's the point of this, Josh? What's the point of you telling me that I was made to worship? My point of telling you that you were made to worship is to tell you that you are going to do that. You are going to worship. Whether or not you decide that you're going to come to church and worship, you are worshiping something. I was a youth pastor before I came here. And one of my kids asked me a very intelligent question one day. Josh, you always talk about false gods, but how do we identify a false god? How do we know when something has taken the place of God in our life? And I thought that was a very intelligent question. And I had to come up with an equally intelligent answer. Because scripture talks about false gods all the time. But I wanted something that we could give as a quick test to, is this functioning as a god in my life or not? If something controls your decisions and the way you define right and wrong, it is your God. There's a quick two-prong test. If you make decisions around it, and if, you can, if it controls what you define as right and wrong, it is your God. Well, Josh, I know that the Bible says this is wrong, but you don't know my circumstances. In this case, I think God would. Which God? Because this God doesn't move. If your circumstances dictate what's right and wrong to you, your circumstances are your God. If your boyfriend or girlfriend determines what's right and wrong for you, they are your God. If your job determines all the decisions you make and what is right and wrong, it is your God. There's only room for one of those. And listen, if it's not the God of the Bible, don't say, well, I don't know that I have a God in my life. If it's not the God of the Bible, ask yourself those two questions. What controls the decisions I make? And what determines right and wrong for me? And you will find who the God in your life is. You were made to worship. And if you don't worship God, I know this is strong language, but if Romans 1 says fools, I'm taking it kind of a step down. If you don't worship God, you will worship something stupid or worse. 
Every single, I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching with you because I will do this too. If I take my, I, you can worship church. Did you know that? You can worship church and say, I'm going to be in Sunday school every Sunday. I'm going to go on every trip. I am going to, I am going to write the biggest check I possibly can. I'm going to do everything I can. And you can do all of that and it have nothing to do with God. You can do all of that just to gratify your flesh and make yourself feel good and it have nothing to do with God. Who is your God? Because you've got one, I promise. You were made to. You were made to be a worshiper. So first, humans are made to worship. You will either worship God or you will worship something else. Second, humans are made to be ruled. Oh, are you serious? Are you preaching this in the United States of America where we are a free people? We are a free people, sort of. <laughs> you know when the founding fathers founded this nation that the, 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 the rules of our country were contingent upon us being a moral people? They were contingent upon us believing that we had, you know, we have certain unalienable rights given to us by who? God. That there's a belief in God that this country is contingent upon. Now, I know that that is not lining up with current legal theory. Frankly, I don't care about legal theory. That's not history. And it also doesn't match up with reality. That we were made to be ruled. That God that you were made to worship is your ruler. And little rulers under that are little reflections of the God that we serve. Listen to what the false prophet does in verse 13 to take advantage of this. He performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast. Telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. Now it says he performs great signs. Miracles? Fire from heaven? Now, Bible scholars, who does that sound like to you? Sounds like Elijah, doesn't it? There's a section in the Old Testament where Elijah goes out onto Mount Carmel and Israel has started worshiping false gods and Elijah is one of the last of the the true prophets and he comes out and he says, we're going to have a competition. We're going to see who the real God is. And based on who sends fire from heaven, you will know who the real God is. And so the prophets of Baal, the false gods, they get out and they put their sacrifice out there and they dance around and they cut themselves and they whip themselves and they hurt themselves and they do all kinds of crazy things to try and convince Baal to send fire from heaven and prove that he's the real God. But after all day of all this dancing and screaming and hooping and hollering and, and everything else, what does Baal do? Nothing. Because there's not a Baal to do anything. And Elijah mocks them. And Elijah says, Okay, now it's time for my God's turn. So he puts the bull on the altar and he says, Dig a trench around it. Why are we digging a trench? Just do it. It's my turn. And he dumps water on it. And he dumps water on it again. And then he dumps water on it again. 
And then he dumps water on it again and again and again and again and again. Now, Elijah, if you're trying to get this thing burned up, this is not how you do it. It's my turn. Let me do it how I want. So he puts the bull on the altar, <clears throat> on the stones, and there's water in the trench. This bull is soaked, and he prays this really short prayer to God and effectively says, Now, God, show Israel who the real God is. And fire comes down from heaven, consumes the bull, consumes the altar, consumes the water in the trench, consumes the water in the bull, and everybody on, in Israel falls on their face and says, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. And they execute the false prophets, and everything's hunky-dory, right? Great. We know who God is. Now, Elijah has to run off because they're trying to kill him, but that's a story for another day. The point is we know who God is because God sent fire from heaven. So what in the world is going on with a false prophet calling down fire from heaven? How does this happen? Well, first off, there are three heavens in the Bible. You logically understand all of them right now. There's the heaven where God dwells, which is probably what you think of when you hear the word heaven. There are the heavens where the stars are, right? Where the stars and the other planets and galaxies are. And then there's the heavens that's just kind of the sky where the airplanes fly around. Okay? The Bible talks about all three of them, but it uses the same word, so it can be confusing. <clears throat> the idea with Elijah is that God sent fire from his dwelling place. I do not think that God sent fire from his dwelling place to help out the false prophet. Because we already know back from the Elijah story that God's not going to prove the existence of another God. Because there's not another God and God would be lying. So that's not going on. This fire is actually probably not real. How do I know that? Verse 14 says He deceives those who dwell on the earth. These miracles are false. False miracles were actually predicted throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. Deuteronomy 30, this is not on your handout, Deuteronomy 13, 1-4 says, If there arises among you a prophet or dreamer of dreams, and he gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or wonder comes to pass. Have there been false teachers throughout the history of the world who were hucksters? Who could fake you out? Yes! Y'all, I hate to tell you, the world is becoming a very, very scary place. Have y'all seen previews of this new movie with Will Smith in it, Gemini Man? Have y'all seen this? If you haven't seen it, you need to go turn on your TV and you need to go look for a preview of this movie called Gemini Man. I don't know that I'm going to see it, but the technical stuff that they pulled off is crazy. How old is Will Smith right now? Anybody know? I think he's in his early 50s. Maybe? Early, does that sound about right? He's in his early 50s. He looks like someone in his early 50s. But Will Smith is in this movie twice. He is in this movie as himself right now. And he is in this movie as himself 30 years ago. They have used computer technology to make him look like a 20-year-old Will Smith. And you cannot tell the difference. Have you ever heard the word deepfake? It's a new thing happening in technology now where they can take pictures of you, run it through an algorithm, algorithm, and make video of you saying things and doing things that you have never done. And people with the naked eye cannot tell the difference. So Josh, you're making this up. No, I watched them do it with a newscaster who was reporting on it. 
that the guy reported a bunch of false news and then cut to an actual clip of him saying, hey, did you see me say that? No, you didn't because I never did it. This was all computer generated. You can fake people out. In fact, so much so to the point that this kind of technology is becoming a national security issue. Could you imagine what would happen if someone played for an intelligence agency a fake doctored video of another president saying we're getting ready to go to war with somebody and they believe it's real? You could see thousands, millions of deaths because of something that someone never said. There's such things as fake convincing things. Folks who can convince you of stuff that didn't happen. And God says, if a sign or wonder comes to pass, of which He spoke to you saying, let us go after other gods which you have not known, and let us serve them. God says, don't listen to the words of that prophet. It doesn't matter if He does a wonder. If He tells you to follow another god, ignore Him. Don't listen to Him. 2 Thessalonians 2, 9 and 10 says, The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan, with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. What's the love of the truth? Exactly what I just told you about Jesus. The truth is, and you know this to be true because you know yourself, we're sinners, right? You can confirm that. You know that's true. You also know that God is good. Because if you didn't know that God was good, you would not know that your sin was bad. And the gospel is that God loved you enough to send Jesus to die for you and to forgive you. And if you will receive that, Jesus will forgive you and receive you into His family. Now, once you know Jesus Christ, it's like the secret service. They don't study the fake dollar bills. They study the real ones so that when they see the fake ones, they can identify them. As soon as you know Jesus, somebody's not going to fool you into being a fake Jesus, into into following one. They're not going to do that because you know the real thing. But when someone has not listened to Jesus, when someone does not know Him, when someone does not know His voice, they will fall for the fake like that. They were deceived because they didn't receive the love of the truth. And finally, Jesus Himself says in Mark 13, 22, false Christs and false prophets will rise and show signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. The point of the false prophet is always what the point of a false prophet was. To get you to submit yourself to the rule of a false god. A false ruler. And truth is, we want somebody to rule us. We want a king. Deep down in our souls, we want a king. I don't. I'm an American. Yes, you do want a king. I promise you do. Y'all, the president is supposed to be a, a, a relatively small position. You know what? In, in the American system of government, you know what the most powerful third of the government is supposed to be, right? It's supposed to be Congress. It's not supposed to be the president. And every four years, we whip ourselves up into a frenzy over one person who honestly, under our Constitution, doesn't have all that much power by himself, herself, whoever it might be. Why do we do that? 
It's because deep in our soul, we want a figurehead. We want somebody to line up behind. We want somebody to represent us. Almost like 1 Samuel 8, 4-9. through 9. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, Look, you're old. Your sons don't walk in your ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the other nations. They all have kings. They all have people to represent them. They all have somebody that they can say, He's my guy. I'm one of his. I follow this ruler. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. So Samuel prayed to the Lord, and the Lord said to Samuel, Heed the voice of the people and all they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they've rejected who, church? Me. That I should not reign over them. According to all the works which they've done since the day I brought them out of Egypt, even to this day, with which they have forsaken me and served other gods, so they are doing to you also. Now therefore heed their voice, however you shall solemnly forewarn them and show them the behavior of the king who will reign over them. God said, Samuel, they want a king because they don't want me. They've rejected me. And so they want this other person. Do you know who my king is? Now America doesn't have one. I'm okay with that because I have a king. That hole in my life is full. I have a king. His name is Jesus. Long live the king. You know, I'm okay with that. I don't need another king. But those who don't know Jesus, they want a king. They want somebody to go out and to fight their battles for them like all the other nations. They want somebody to line up under and the false prophet will give it to them. You want a king? I will show you why you should follow this king. Look at the signs. Look at the wonders. Look at the miracles and the whole earth will say, long live my king. They'll believe. They'll follow Him. How do you avoid that? You follow Jesus. 2 Timothy 4, 3 and 4 says, The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers and will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. Y'all, does the Bible ever hurt? Does the Word of God hurt? Yes, it does, because it tells the truth. It tells the truth about God and it tells the truth about us. But what have you ever met somebody who might be willing, maybe you've met them in the mirror, who might be willing to turn away and go somewhere else because there's someone who's saying something a little bit more palatable to you. A little bit easier for you. Long live my king. They're not as tough as that Bible is. They're more accepting. They're more tolerant. Now listen, if God wasn't tolerant, there would be a lot of little human-shaped cinders on the earth right now. There's no one more tolerant and patient than God. But God does not endure sin forever. And if you heap up for yourselves kings and teachers and rulers because you have itching ears... Man, God designed us to follow His leadership. We are by nature followers. If we ignore God, we're still followers. We'll just follow worse leaders. You're going to follow somebody. You're going to worship somebody, and you're going to follow somebody. Is it Jesus, or is it someone else? Humans are made to worship. Humans are made to be ruled. And then finally, and in closing, humans are made with tribal instincts. We're made with tribal instincts. What I mean by tribal instincts. That we want to divide ourselves up into groups. 
We've always wanted to do that. There's a healthy way to do it, and there's a not healthy way to do it. And it all depends on what you're dividing yourself around. Okay? Listen to what the false prophet does. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave. That is the biblical way of saying there is no distinction that is accepted from this. Man, woman, black, white, citizen, non-citizen, English speaking, Spanish speaking, uh, Chinese speaking, uh, Hindi speaking, uh, rich, poor, uh, business owner, employee, it doesn't matter that the false prophet makes them, causes them to receive a mark on their right hand or their foreheads to what end? That no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or name of the beast or the number of his name. That if you want to take part in the economy under this leader, you will have to take the mark the name, the number, the image of the beast. You will have to say, I bear his name. Now, who did, whose name did God create us to bear? His. Ultimately, why is it that we want a king? It's because we're tribal. We want to say, I'm part of this group of people. Now, right now, the unhealthy way we divide ourselves into tribe, you can just about pick... You turn on the news that either you are uh, part of the tribe that is men, you are part of the tribe that is women, you are part of the tribe that is white people, you are part of the tribe that is black people, you are part of the tribe that is rich, you are part of the tribe that is poor. And the way that it's presented is every single tribe needs to be at war with every other tribe because every tribe needs what's best for them and they're supposed to take care of their own and blah, blah, blah. And it's horrendous. It's disgusting. But have you ever wondered why it is that we so quickly gravitate toward that, that it seems to always break down into that? It's because we're tribal in nature. That we want to line up under somebody. We want to be unified around something. And the mark of the beast, shown for the first time here in Revelation 13, is the way that the false prophet convinces people to line up. Say, so this is silly. We'd line up under a symbol? Absolutely. There were 60,000 people on ESPN last night wearing orange and there were about 40,000 people on ESPN last night wearing red and they're waving around flags, half of them with a giant T, half of them with a giant G and they each have different songs. And, you know, I've, you know, if you ask a Georgia fan, I will never wear jean shorts. Why? Because Florida fans wear jean shorts. That's what they do. Now, jean shorts might be comfortable, they might be practical, they might be sensible, but I'm not going to have them in my house. You know why? Because I'm not part of that tribe. Tribes have rules. They have icons. They have symbols that you, that you wear, that you sport, that you show your allegiance, that that's my people, that's my tribe, and the mark of the beast is exactly that. They'll get it on their hand and they'll say, see, I'm loyal. I've got my king. See? I'm, I'm, I'm part of the end group. I'm loyal. I can take part because I'm part of this tribe. And then he says that he gives us the number of the beast and says his number is 666. He also says it's the number of a man. Now y'all listen, there have been... Just about anybody who has ever been elected president of a major modern country has been accused 
of being the Antichrist because you can take his name and somehow make it. it here's, my, here's my favorite one. is They took the name Ronald Wilson Reagan and counted the number of letters in each of his names. And they're like, oh my gosh, each of his names has six letters. He's the Antichrist. Ronald Wilson Reagan. He's, he, he's him. Has there ever been anybody else in the history of the world that have had six letters in each of their three names? Yes, I guess they're all the Antichrist. So, oh, well, maybe this is symbolic of a system. No, John says it's the number of a man. Do you know why we haven't been able to figure out who it is yet? Because he's not here yet. Why did John say, here, you know, here is wisdom? Because John's saying when, you, when this man arrives, people who see him will know. If you're a Christian, you'll know. So I'm not going to spend a bunch of time right now trying to decipher who the Antichrist is right now. For all I know, he's not born yet. For all I know, he is, and we haven't seen him yet. If that's the case, I'm probably not going to see him anyway because I'll see Jesus before I see him, but that's okay. But don't waste time on trying to figure out who he is. What I want you to spend very good time on is wondering, would you be willing to bear that mark? Before you say, no, I would never be willing to bear that mark. Really? Ask yourself if you had to choose between being able to go to Ingalls ever again. Not just Ingalls, but Ingalls, Dollar General, IGA, Walmart, Publix. Put gas in your car at the jet. You don't just run your credit card, scan your hand. Are you part of the in crowd? Are you part of the tribe? Or are you disloyal? I've heard people say before that you can tell what really matters to somebody by examining uh, two things, their calendar and their wallet. How do they spend their time? How do they spend their money? There are a lot of fake Christians who are going to be weeded out when they can't buy food anymore. They will show their allegiance and they will show their loyalty to what actually matters. They will show what tribe they actually belong to. Where Scripture actually tells us there is another tribe that you can join. There's another tribe you can be part of. There's another part of other, another family that you can be part of. Galatians 3, 26-28 says, You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many as you were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. Do you know that it doesn't matter if you're white, if you're black, if you're Asian, if you're Native American, if you're rich, if you're poor, if you're a college graduate, if you're a high school graduate, if you're a high school dropout. It doesn't matter if you drive. It doesn't matter if you walk. It doesn't matter if you might ride a bike. It doesn't matter if you ride a scooter. It doesn't matter if you're a citizen. It doesn't matter if you're a non-citizen. It doesn't matter if what you are. Jesus died for you. You. And whatever value God places on you, that's what value this church places on you. I have more in common with a Somali Christian who lives in the middle of Somalia that I have never met than I have in common with a neighbor who does not know Christ because 10,000 years from now, I will be living in communion with the Somali Christian and will probably never see, uh, if not for the mercy of of, of God saving them, that next door neighbor, that Christ is what unites the church. If you want a tribe, 
You come be part of, of, of Jesus' family. Come be part of the tribe of the line of the tribe of Judah. Come follow Him. Leave your other tribes behind. Because you can unite, the rest of the world will unite behind this man. They will unite behind anybody who gives them what they want. Psalm 2, 2 and 3 says, The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed, saying, Let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. God designed us to want family and togetherness. And people can find family and togetherness in all kinds of ways, but you can only find it in a healthy way in Jesus Christ. Do you want to worship the one true God and not be duped into worshiping a false? You're made to be ruled. Do you want to be ruled by someone who actually honestly loves you because you're made in His image? Do you want family? Do you want togetherness? Do you want unity? And you want it in a way that is fulfilling and the way that God intended you to have it. 